Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to spend a little bit of time with me and my guests to learn a little something. I have a fantastic network of amazing people who make my life richer in so many ways. They make my personal life better, my business life better, my whole life better, and I want to share their stories and their teachings with you so that you can make your life better as well. We are all meant to do great things in our particular domains, and I hope that some of what you learned today may help you to live in your greatness. So I'm here today with Jennifer Hirschberg-Wise of Radiant Journey, Occupational Therapy and Integrative Wellness. She's another one of our fantastic speakers who's going to be at Conference 21 in February, February 20th and 21st at conference21.com. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Michael. Thank you so much for having me here. Yes, yeah, so glad to have you. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Radiant Journey and, and what you do and, and how you came to be doing it. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Uh, Radiant Journey has been in existence for three years, and I created Radiant Journey when I saw a need for people, for whatever walk of life they're coming from, whatever age they are, to really have a good experience with their health care provider uh, and also their health care outcomes. So occupational therapy, I'm an occupational therapist and have been one for over 11 years now. It's where we really are interested in looking at function and seeing what the person's daily goals are and what roles that they want to to achieve or perform in. For example, if somebody wants to be able to learn how to cook or be able to cook after they've had a stroke or if somebody's experiencing early memory loss and they want to remain safely and independently at home, what challenges, what strategies can we use to help enable them to reach those goals. Um, and the integrated wellness piece of things is bringing like more, uh, more a comprehensive approach to healing and recovery and function. So it supports those traditional rehabilitation methods such as occupational therapy, such as um, home exercise programs or therapeutic exercise, therapeutic, uh, transfers, which means getting involved from one surface to the other, um, and integrative wellness. I'm a Reiki master. I offer yoga. I'm a yoga teacher, and I'm currently pursuing my my yoga therapist certification. There's Tai Chi. There's Journey Dance, which is transformational movement, which really allows people to have a connection to your body. And to understand that you contain the answers within, it's a matter of accessing them. Uh, so, so it sounds like putting that all together, it's a combination of increasing your physical capabilities while also um, creating adaptations to best, best utilize the abilities that you do have if there are um, physical or neurological limitations. Uh, do I kind of have that right? You yeah you you got you got you got some parts of it all right. I, everything you said was accurate, but I think it's also lends itself more to you're not just looking at somebody's physical capabilities; you're looking at their cognitive uh, capabilities. Their attention okay. cognition is you know your thinking, your attention, your memory, your learning capacity. And I, what I love about occupational therapy because actually it was a change of career; it was a new path for me. Prior to me becoming an occupational therapist, I did sales and marketing and was, wow. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking when it came time for me to find myself at that crossroads of life and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Everything I thought I wanted to do, I did already and it's not measuring up to what I thought it would be. I found myself at that point in my mid-20s that I was like, you know, what my, my quarter-life crisis um, that I... I had the opportunity to go back to school and I looked because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and what I liked about occupational therapy is that it can be applicable to anybody of any age. For example, I've worked with children and by like school age children, infants, and you look at what is, what's important for them at that life stage. So like for a baby, it's, it's learning how to move. It's learning how to crawl. It's learning how to grasp a spoon so that they can attempt to self-feed. And 
sometimes when, for whatever reason, development is a little delayed, um, there's other like neurological conditions. There's other other influences. It could orthopedic conditions, orthopedic related to the bones um, and musculoskeletal structure. For whatever reason, this like meeting these developmental milestones is challenging. And the question is, how do you create a nurturing environment so that development is supported? What strategies does do, do you as a provider, as a as a clinician, offer? And how do you educate uh, the parent and or caregiver, whether that's a grandparent, um, or whomever is going to be spending time with this young young child? Um, and then what you see, because I work in schools also, that you spend time um, looking at attention. Does it, does this child have difficulty? Sitting up, sitting upright in a classroom, um, and what's their what's their ability to socialize like? Are they able to hold a pencil um, or access a computer device? Do they have what is their communication like? So that that's like for the like the young, like the infants, the the school age children, and then for the adolescents, what's their how do they what kind of skills do they have? with managing anxiety and stress? How do they fit in? What is their life plans? Do, do, they, do, do they know what they, that means by a life plan? How do they perceive themselves as moving forward, you know, emerging into adulthood, young adulthood from adolescence? And then once you like, so I'm just like sharing a little bit more about like, what do I see at different each life stages? And I've worked with, and I love that I've worked with people, like a whole bunch of people from infancy, and I mean, by infancy, I've worked with people, like an infant who was born, I, I've seen him when he was like chronologically one, but he was also born at 24 weeks of, of gestation. So very delayed there and, and promoting bonding and understanding is important. And then when you work with uh, young adults, like 20 somethings, it depends on what other conditions they might have had grown up with. They could be individuals who have cerebral palsy. They could be individuals who suffered a stroke earlier in life. They could be individuals who have intellectual uh, differences. Um, it, it, it just runs the gamut because people, we're, we're individuals. We're not just our, our bones. We're not just our ability to walk. We, we have feelings about that and we have goals and 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 potential that we want to be able to to nurture and grow into so that we become the best versions of ourselves and it's how each person determines like what's the best version of themselves how will they know when they reach that point and that so I was mentioning a little bit more about the the 20 somethings and then as you get into older adults or mid-age, you're dealing with people who are encountering joint replacement, uh, joint replacement, maybe cardiac, endocrine changes, memory changes, and and so forth. So I've I've been very fortunate and blessed to have worked with people from infancy towards older adulthood who are and people who are transitioning from from life, which means they're they're um, on hospice care, and so forth. Okay, so, so you know, part of that that evokes me is the idea of like with a with a coach, the job is to there's some end state they're trying to get to, some goal state, um, yes. and and generally it's a matter of just their life position, their business. But yours goes deeper into physical condition, neurological condition, mm -hmm. um, as well as you know psychological, a, a whole is a, a whole yeah. a whole gamut of different um, different aspects that go into achieving a goal state. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at an entire person's being, if you will, like at, at very different levels, and you're developing with them. It's it's you're guiding them on a plan, um, and you're looking at what is it that they want to achieve. For example, say somebody's somebody's had a stroke, and it and it impacts their dominant side, but they want to be able to dress themselves. So you look at what are the demands of the activity. So how, and, and it's and it's stuff that when you when you can do it, you take it for granted. You take it for granted that you can you you can awake and get out of bed when you hear an alarm clock. 
you go brush your teeth, you take you, you use the toilet in the morning, and then you go down, you walk downstairs. If you have stairs to walk down, you just walk into the kitchen. You remember where the kitchen is. You can tell what time it is. You know what you need. You can like sequence like the I what you need to make your cup of coffee. You now know how to wait for the cup of coffee without crying and 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 walking out into the other room and forgetting where you came from. Um, and you can get, then move on with your day. Somebody who's had a stroke or any other condition might will definitely show an impairment in memory, in their ability to communicate, in the ability to physically move to towards like towards getting the objects that are needed, towards coordinating that, and towards remembering what's how how do I make a cup of coffee. Um, and then being able to move past that. So it's like, it's yeah, not yeah. That, like when you can do it, it's like what, I don't know. I, when I first came into it, it's like, you know, how hard is it to pick up a pencil? How hard can that be? Um, it's very hard if you don't have the trunk strength to hold yourself upright. If you don't have the attention yep. to even tend to, where, where is the pen? Now, if you're having like sensory, sensory is a big piece. I think for everybody, but it gets, it gets really pronounced like in early years. Um, because as adults, I think we, we learn how to avoid and cover up our sensory preferences or, or, or uh, dislikes. But as a kid, everything for a child is, it's right out there and it's, they're going to say what's, they're going to express whether it's, they can verbally or behaviorally what they enjoy and what they don't like. Um, so like it's managing and, and learning how to tune, tune out some details of the environment that don't really, that aren't significant and then tend to those that are, that are significant. But for a young person who's having trouble with, with muscle tone, with the ability to sit up, right. Um, and pay attention and the lights are so loud and the person sitting next to me is too close and there's a smell in the room that's driving me crazy and I think it's almost time for lunch. They're like, the last thing they can even figure out how to do is you want to you know, sit down and, and write something holding a pen or, or paying attention to a computer. Um, I mean, just look at how our adults' attention has changed using technology with the the instant gratification of using using a cell phone and or or a smartphone and all you have to do is like cl click on a link and if it doesn't if it doesn't load quick enough you're like oh, i don't have time for this and it's we're not talking about like dial up we're talking about maybe it takes two seconds maybe it takes three seconds <laughs> but, but then yep. but then you're off you're like i don't have time for this this is two seconds too long so yeah, well, i i ran into that with, with the podcast um and I, i'm lengthening the format but i shortened the format down to keep it under 30 minutes for a while Yes. And because I had some people say to me, like, yeah, if it's over 60 minutes, I, I don't even bother to listen to it. And over 30, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And I finally realized that that person probably doesn't have time for my 25-minute podcast either. So I said, mm -hmm. I'm going to let the conversation go as long as it's going to go because the people mm -hmm. who want to hear it are going to listen. But, but yeah, that, that, that kind of, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't, I don't have time for 30-minute conversation. I don't have time to do actual research. I watched a YouTube video. I know what I'm talking about. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't have time yeah. for these experts. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, one thing you were saying got me thinking. Uh, so I um, years ago, I actually worked for my um, my father owned the I think the only um, a, a driving school in Massachusetts that primarily focused on people with special needs oh, uh, called okay. Adaptive Driving Program. And mm -hmm. I worked for him for a couple of years and uh, I got great respect for the work he does and uh, also determined that I was not one who should be doing it. But I learned a lot about working with people who have different, um, you know, different challenges and what they are and are not able to do. And, um, and as interesting, you know, you might have someone who they can't remember where the coffee is in the morning and, um, and, you know, they seem like they can't function, but they can drive fine because it's a totally different part of the brain. They may not remember where they're going, but their operation of the car is perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they're totally on top of that, but they can't remember if they were going to the bank or driving to New York. Yes. Um, and, and so working on different kinds of strategies to to work with those things and realizing because I think a lot of people think, you know, cognitive is cognitive and either you have high cognition or low cognition and not realizing you might not be able to form words 
because your verbal cortex is damaged, but you can operate a car perfectly safely and you can do advanced math perfectly well. Mm -hmm. You just can't make words because, you know, each part of the brain is a different, uh, different unit. But, you know, it's interesting listening to, I, I, I learned a bit about the OT side, but not the occupational therapy side, but I didn't really go deep into that beyond what I needed to know for, um, for the on the road stuff. And, and, uh, it's, I discovered my own my own ADD makes me somewhat um, unsuited to spending two hours on hair trigger response, um, <laughs> being ready to, to take someone out of the guardrail. Um, it's, you know, it's it's one of those you know ninety four minutes of boredom and three seconds of terror, um, which uh, which was not for me, but was my my was my, my dad uh, loved it because he got to be you know really got to help people in a in a big way. Um, yeah, that's that, that mobility and independence is so important. The ability to take care of yourself and live independently, manage your own finances, mm-hmm. drive, walk to where you want to do, like go. Um, that's yeah. important. It's incredibly important. Um, vision changes. I work with people who have vision changes um, mm-hmm. and that people who haven't experienced any visual loss. They don't understand why they can't just, you know, rearrange or just put something back in a different place. And it makes the person who has visual impairment absolutely feel that they can't have anything. There's nothing stable about their environment. And having that stability in the environment is very important. And there's all these different, like, um, different specializations. Like, you you touched on the driver rehabilitation piece of things. Um, and there's there's also I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, which when I went through that intense training was I was I was amazed that it wasn't even mentioned um, at all when I went when I was in school. And and it's really important when, for when people lymphedema is the development of like this protein rich. like It looks like it begins as swelling and it looks sometimes as confused with edema. But it gets eventually, it changes the skin texture, it gets harder, mm-hmm. and it could also change the shape of your limb. And then, you know, as a result, that not only does it look cosmetically altered and changed, but it also, it, it hurts, it becomes heavier. And and as a result, mobility can be impacted, your your security and, and, and feeling comfortable within your own body can be interrupted. So that's another piece too that I, I I'm proud to offer, and it was a real, it, it, it's a whole uh, it's a whole approach. It, it's I would still function as an occup under my occupational therapy license, um, but it's 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 looking at a person also with that holistic approach of occupational therapy, but you're using skills that are very unique to to being a lymphedema therapist. Interesting. Yeah, it gives you a good background. Um, yes. It's, it's one of the things you're saying about you know, taking things for granted, not thinking about them. I, I don't know if it's because of my experience, um, you know, working, doing doing the teaching or just because I'm a gamer and um, gamers like to game things out and think about scenarios. But but uh, I've, I, I've kind of always, you know, I'll come to a situation and be like, what if I didn't have mm-hmm. what this? You know, what, what if I couldn't use my right hand? What if... Uh, yeah, you know, I couldn't see what like I, I bought a house, which is a three story house, and of course right. we have stairs. Um, and one of the thoughts I have is like, what if I couldn't walk for some reason? How yeah. would that? Yeah, you know, and and my brain just immediately goes to, well, I guess I'd live on the first floor. We'd be there. We have a bathroom here. Um, but I always kind of game out those scenarios of, you know, what if I, what if I couldn't see? What if I couldn't hear? How would I adapt to these these different things? Um, yeah, and then try to be as much as possible cognizant of how that how that affects. Others in the environment. And one of the challenges when trying to create an environment that's accessible is there's so many different things to um, that you need to you, you need to accommodate. It yeah. does become, become very complex. But at least try to think about um, think about that. And and uh, you know this 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 frail meaty vehicle that I travel carry my brain around in. Um, I know is quite uh, delicate and easy to damage. So I'm always cognizant that I could be the one who. Um, who can't walk or who, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and what's interesting too, is that when people look, look like you, when somebody has a broken arm, you, you, people know you have a broken arm. I'm not going to pull on your arm. But when you have things that are hidden, conditions that are hidden, 
that you can talk, you can walk, you seem mostly functional, not, not you personally, but just, but a person seems mostly functional, but maybe there's cog like, like attention deficit disorder. Maybe there's, maybe there's depression. Maybe, maybe there's something going on behind the surface that you can't see. And that's the part where things that, where things can get more challenging and, when anybody has any kind of health crisis for whatever reason, at any age, their world has gone from being as big as it can be to getting very, very small. Um, mm -hmm. You know, think of all your senses, uh, like hearing, taste, vision, um, sound, and touch. Um, if you didn't, if something got like, think of like when your ears get blocked, and you can't really hear anything clearly, you all of a sudden you go from being like expressive to all of a sudden questioning, did you hear something? Did, did you know that person talk to you? What did they say? Do you want to keep asking them yeah. what 10 million times? Because then they'll think either like they'll think either you're not listening and then they'll get mad at you and you don't want to get, you know, you don't want this loved person to think that you're not listening. So you just nod and smile. Um, <laughs> but I, but the, as a result, as if, if it is hearing issue, your world gets smaller because you don't want people to know that you can't hear and you're not, and you're scared. You know, I think that happens too with um, cognitive changes, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, um, they, they try to cover up. They try to, you know, Oh, I forgot to take my medication today. I don't like it anyway. And then, you know, family member, instead of, instead of kind of queuing into the fact that, this person um, maybe is like experiencing memory changes, they take it at face value. Like, how come you don't want to take your medication? Don't you know it's going to keep you healthy? So then they argue, but then mm -hmm. the, the, the focus is already taken away from potential like concern over memory loss. And now, you know, the loved one that's forgetting the medication is just being so stubborn. Um, and it's a matter of, really stepping back and observing what's happening. I, I know I worked with a family who they, the, the, the woman with the, the, the cognitive changes, she, she was a very proud woman. She wanted to live independently. She would accept somebody to help cook, like cook and clean, uh, but she wanted to drive. But there's all these, there's all this testing that can get done because you need reflexes. You need those, the memory to be able to, to like alter your path if, if need be, like if you come to a detour um, or if you see a, a, have a siren coming behind you, you need to be able to act in that moment and you need to be able to trust that what you're seeing, hearing um, and, and your and problem solving, everything's intact because if there's any delay, then that could be catastrophic. So I think it's looking at what's happening with the person. And that's what I enjoyed about when I became an occupational therapist you're kind of like a detective. You you you're uh, you just you described it as gaming, which you're looking at this person and saying, "What what can you do? What do you want to do? What's stopping you from doing that? Um, is it safety? How can we make you safe?" It's always a big thing. Um, like I remember, I was working with a family who they had a loved one who had Parkinson's, and she was left home with a big dog, with a big big dog. Um, I remember one time coming to see them. And the dog greeted me. And I said, okay, this dog doesn't seem to be a welcoming committee. Um, but the question became was, well, it's, it does not appear to be safe for her to be alone because gosh forbid, if there was a fire, can she get out of the house safely? And that, those are the kind of like, what if scenarios? Can you, can you advocate for yourself enough to call 911 and share your home address? And it's a really what the problem is. Yeah. So it's it's very yeah. interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. I would say about the adaptation, you know, I know I know that well because I I am um highly adapted in some ways. because uh, you know ADD is definitely something I um carry. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say suffer from because it's a, the ADD is one of those things where it's kind of a it's a different neurotype, not necessarily a disability, but more just you have to think a different way. Um, yeah, but you know, there's there's things like my my wife will often just put things back wherever, and mm -hmm. having to track down like where is the broom when I need the broom to then have to shift my brain to search the house to find the broom, 
means yeah. I could lose three other things I was planning to do and they're just like gone. And you know, having to use that mental energy to to guess where something might be can derail the entire the next six items that were on the action list. Um, yeah. And and you know, trying to explain to her like, no, it really matters that things go back where they came from. Yes. And that I can, re- and especially, and I, I don't, I don't try to keep the entire house in order, but at least like my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I try to remember like, it, like the, the fact that that you know, moving the toothpaste from the right side of the sink to the left side of the sink, sink will upset me greatly. And she doesn't know that and has no reason to remember that necessarily. So I need to remember. Like, she's not trying to make my world difficult. She's just like, oh, she just put the toothpaste over here, not over there. What's the big deal? Yeah. And I'm like, well, because I reach out to grab it because that's something I don't need to think about. Um, and you moved it. And now I need to think about it. Nah. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. so, you know, kind of, you know, thinking about and then, then applying that to other, you know, trying to remember their adaptations that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't realize that someone's already working at the end, the edge of their envelope that that's they're, that, that to, to, to look so normal takes a whole lot of effort for for a lot of people out there, whether it's because they're overwhelmed with stress or depression or anxiety or you know, yeah. probably a lot of people you know, in your office you work with, um, they might be on the edge of a breakdown most of the day and you don't even realize it because they're, they're doing a lot of effort to seem perfectly normal and happy and everything's just fine. That's right. Um, That's right. And, yeah. that makes me and then when things are wrong, you're like, why did they freak out? Yeah, why do they have such an outburst? It's because they were holding it in, and like when you work with kids, like they don't hold anything in; they'll just like let it all out, and it's like uh, just a sensory system, a nervous system that has just been brought to the boiling point, or just been overwhelmed, and it's just going to just erupt because they don't know how to regulate. Um, and like a couple of things that when you were chat, when you were saying about like the, uh, the routines and and valuing the predictability of an environment and routines. Um, that's so critical for people. And you were talking about how people, there's a lot of work to be, get, to be put into, quote unquote, looking normal. And I know mm-hmm. with this last year of 2020 and COVID, everybody's waiting to go back to normal. And oof, there's so much, there was so much adaptation that we all had to do to if you had children that were remote learning and then now you're taking up you're all taking up sharing the same space with more time than you normally would have and how's that how's that going and what's how's that return and that transition back back to routine i don't think i think normal is too lofty a goal (laughs) i think i think just like a routine and and it seems like every 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 new day was a new routine or a new challenge um, and then when you think things are, and that's that, part of that, I think is life. When you think things are going well, you kind of settle into a groove and then all of a sudden yeah, yeah. something gets rocked and now you're like, Oh my God, I have to now learn how to swim that way now. And that's, I mean, part of that is living. And some well, people, and that's, yeah, I think the entrepreneurs in, in March were like, Oh, a change. Cool. This is my ninth change in the last 14 months. Yeah. Okay. It's a pandemic. Great. That's our next change. Whereas the people who are settled into a comfortable job, like they've worked in somewhere 15 years, they, yeah. they had their groove and they're like, what? I don't even have the mechanism to adapt. I, I don't know how to consider That's right. it. That's right. Yeah. And one thing I tried to, you know, back in March and April, I was telling people, settle in for the long haul. Stop thinking there's going to be two weeks or four weeks. That's right. Like, you know, people hate the phrase new normal, but just assume this is going to be how it's going to be for the foreseeable future and act accordingly. If you do that, a lot of people and businesses we're in a position that if in March they said, all right, we're going to assume this is going to be 12 months mm-hmm. and they pivot, you know, businesses that do well pivot their business, the restaurant, the, uh, the fine dining restaurant that opened up a, a grab and go uh, or a delivery arm or whatnot. And now they're making more money than they were before mm-hmm. because they said, okay, let's assume this will be long haul, make the adaptations or the, uh, you know, the parents who, okay, the kids are going to be home. All right, let's get a desk. Let's get a proper workspace. Let's set up a little school at home. Instead of trying to operate off the the messy dining room table week after yes. week after week, hoping next week would be different, yeah. um, I think I think a lot of people suffered from denial that they assumed, oh, it'll be back soon, it'll be back soon, it'll be back soon, and here we are ten months later, and uh, it's not back, and it could be ten more months. I so know. You know, yeah, so, so, was... <laughs> go ahead, Michael. <laughs> just, yeah, develop a new routine. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was like one of the first things I did. I uh, when I at first, I kind of was like, okay, we're gonna camp. We're camping. So like, 
I had a little bag of snacks. I was like, all right, we're camping. Um, but then after a period of time, I'm like, okay, this is not camping. This camping like, you know, like on the go, on the fly kind of movement isn't really working because it's creating a little more anxiety. The first thing I, the second thing I did after I went camping um, is, and have my little snacks ready, is the, the kitchen, the dining room table got cleared and that became my workspace. And everybody had, everybody went in their corners, so to speak. Everybody found their spots. Everybody found their rhythm. Um, and we went with it. And it seems, I mean, we've all been, been home and we've been making it work. And yeah, and I, you know, at the beginning when there were moments where we were all getting tense with each other because we were just, we were just you know, the, the gamut of emotions of what was happening. Um, and also just kind of feeling cooped up, I think, just, you know, before looking mm -hmm. at the walls or just trying to function um, within the house, you, you you have to make peace with it and kind of, you know, ex communicate how, in, a, in, a, in a loving manner what you need when you need time alone, when you need to focus on mm -hmm. something and also getting out and getting nature. And, and, and I think all of us, had to deal with an, a disruption and that's what like occupational therapy looks at something happened you were moving along this path then something happened that disrupted that flow what happened what do you know about it what can you learn about it and how do you move around it and and incorporate it and bring healing and wholeness to to your life I think one thing that threw a lot of people off, and the reason people talk about distance learning so much as an issue is, I think a lot of the teachers didn't take into account what environment they were throwing their instructions into. Um, and we found that, first off, that a lot of the technology they're using was not tested and wasn't wasn't robust. Um, but you know, if, if they were assuming that parents are going to be spending four hours a day with their kids, where's that four hours come from? Because most yeah. of these parents are still working one way or another. And so if the parent's supposed to be a substitute teacher standing by the kid or they're worse for some parents helping them you know, actually teaching them, yeah. um, it, it became this, this matter of, um, I, I found, I kept saying, just give me the curriculum because I can teach her in an hour what is taking three hours with your cockamamie software um, that, you know, obviously is the lowest bidder who had some really, really nice thing to say to the, the, the purchase, purchasing agent who yeah. decided that this is a good thing. But um but I think that's the biggest challenge is, you know, we could figure things out ourselves, but yeah. then we had this outside entity saying, okay, you have to do it this way. And it mm -hmm. has to be done this way at this time in this order. And, you know, with, with no thought to, to what was going on in the house that the instructions being sent into. Um, and I, I got to the point where I said, I've got a, I mean, she's, she was in kindergarten. I, I was like, I have a decent guess of what she needs to learn. I'm just going to teach her and the teacher can do whatever she wants. My wife said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I'll take care of it. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> left up to me, I would have told them, uh, see you when we get back to school, um, because cause th this isn't working. This does not work for how our house is working. Yes. Um, yes. And, I, I think, but, I think it was a matter of like also finding, finding your rhythm and then like the overwhelm that I was, I was feeling because I was getting emails and, and, you know, follow up and, and making sure these assignments get uh, like submitted. And I think everybody... I feel like everybody just needed to take a collective breath, like reach out, have a conversation, say what's going to work for you. And and I think realizing that everybody, teachers, students, parents, everybody, everybody's just trying to make it through and everybody's just trying to do the best they can. But I, I did look at a couple of different curricula too, so that I could feel like I was doing something supportive. I remember my little guy, my little guy, he's in third grade and and I said, oh, okay, we had that, that two-week period where the school closed, and it was, I think they sent home a work packet. And I think each school district and school might have been doing things differently. So you had, you had and if you had kids and you know, children in multiple schools, I can only imagine how that, mm -hmm. how that would have been when you have, there's just so many computers that people may have. Um, but they were very generous in terms of, like, like, you know, giving students a computer that they could use at home. Um, and, and, and I think it's just, just trying to find a rhythm that worked for you. Oh, so that two week period where there was that, that, um, packet sent home, I said, okay, you're going to be in mommy school. And, uh, yeah. I think it was the first day, 
it was his first day, maybe first afternoon. He's like, that's it, I quit. Take me out of mommy school. And that evening, he's like, <laughs> he's like, reinstate me. And I'm like, all right, all right, then. Um, but it was, it's a challenge because because of all the, def- the different reasons it was in terms of being home, like parents needing to say, okay, now I'm your teacher. What does that mean? Do I have time to teach? Do you want to learn from me? Why are we fighting about like numbers? <laughs> um, it was it was just you know a real just a real challenge because there wasn't much communication. Like yeah. there wasn't much communication between between people. There was lots of like official letters, but there needs to be like communication needs to happen between two people. Yeah, well, and, and I think without communication, you couldn't make a plan. You couldn't, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about cre- creating your process, creating the, the right space. And if you don't know what the teacher's going to do next, and of course, they tried this software, and two weeks later, they don't like it, they're doing something else. Yes. Now you got to change that, and, you know, there's a Zoom call at this time. Or, and so, some of these schools, like the Zoom call is at 9 and 1. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, you can't just block out a chunk of time. It's at different times, and... Um, and yeah, you think you're totally right. Like there should have been, there probably should have been parent-teacher Zoom calls once a week, just to check uh, in and be like, "Hey, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, what do you think?" And yeah, and, and all that. Um, but so, so speaking of communication and relationships, um, yes. So you're going to be one of our speakers at Conference 21. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. The, the the title of your talk, at least the one that I have on the website, is relationship building. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about that and how that ties into what you do and what you'll be sharing with us. Sure, sure, sure. So I think relationship building is what comes down to the core of any 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 experience, any any movement forward from where you are. I don't think we the we're, we're social creatures by we I mean humans. We're social creatures where we need we can't do everything alone. So it matter and Sometimes I see people going back to talking about like technology, how we become, we, we almost want to like, just get the information and run, like grab and go being like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, Michael, I want to talk to you. I have a question about, about podcast. Okay. This is my question. And you, and you are generous to give me your answer. Thanks, Michael. I got to go. That's not building a relationship. That's just kind of just taking. Um, and yep. there needs to be, rapport building there needs to be trust between between both between as many parties as there are um in in this shared experience one of the techniques that i learned going through my 200 hour yoga teacher training was this concept of holding space for somebody else and you let them give them the opportunity to reveal their story reveal their 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 goals in life and that's where also with occupational therapy you're holding space for somebody's um storytelling about what happened to them and where they're going to go from here and where they want to go from here and how do they feel about that so as with relationship building you know i've gone to so many networking meetings where you always there there's always a couple of people who who they come by you and they're like, hey, do you have a business card? Here, here's mine. And that's all they want from you. They just want your business card. And and they give you theirs. And they, they don't even... The card collector. The card collector, yeah. So like relationship building is more than just collecting. It's more than collecting information and using people as resources um, in, in the most basic sense. It's more about finding out how you guys, how both of you... Or, or the team of you can grow together, and what are the goals? Where they? When they? Where is their overlap? Um, and doing it so that it feels good. It feels good, and it doesn't feel like, you know, those energy vampires where you you are around, or when they when there's a phone call coming in, and you know it's them, and you're like, oh, I don't want to take this call. Um, <laughs> I think we all have them. Um, so I think it's a matter of building those relationships and being skillful about it and and also helping you know i think helping and and helping people rise and being interested in other people as well as yourself and then seeing opportunities where there's chances for collaboration and also even if the person like say somebody's doing something that seems 
at the other end of like so far away from what you do um finding those opportunities to bring things closer together rather than than apart yeah that, that's really it's fascinating to hear the way you're you're talking about it because uh, of course you know i wrote a book on on networking um mm -hmm. called the guy knows the guy and yeah. you know i talk about some of those concepts but in a completely different way um yeah. and so to hear that in terms of of like I, i've heard the phrase holding space but i will admit that my, my mind triggers on like that sounds kind of new agey and um but but you know as you explain it that way I'm like that that's exactly what i what i talk about what i try to do but in totally different terms um yes. and so i love hearing the same concept explained from a different philosophy you know the, the idea of, like networking principles being learned in yoga training is mm. is amazing and fascinating and i think it's really exciting to to that you're bringing that perspective to the conference i think a lot of people really benefit uh benefit from that so i think that'll be that'll be great and very exciting um yeah. To do, yeah. Well, one thing I talk about is the idea of of I'll sometimes meet people and and almost play a game of how long can I go without telling them anything about myself. Um, yes. You know, ask them questions about them. You know, their interests, their needs. Instead of jumping right into I'm a coach and I run events and blah blah blah, blah let them talk and, and eventually and their curiosity is building and building. Who is this guy? You know? He just there keeps is... asking me questions. Who is he? That's right. And then they feel um, good. It's like the same concept. Yeah. Like especially when you're like when if, if and when you're looking for like a job and you interview and the idea the more the interviewers talking that that usually is better than than you just coming mm -hmm. in there and saying let me tell you what i can offer you um yep. but i think that uh, that 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 place of like of of creating interest because they'll once people think and know you're interested in them they will they will they will respond in kind Ooh, and they will want to help you and listen to what you have to say. And I think it's important too, to like, particularly like with these, I mean, everybody gets these, I'm sure. Like if you have any Facebook account um, or social media mm -hmm. account, somebody's going to try to uh, like solicit you and tell you about their business without you even knowing who they are, where they came from and why you are even connected. But usually <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't get these "Hey, girl" messages. You know, "Hey, I have this really great opportunity. Do you want to hear about it?" Or sometimes it's like, "I don't even care what you do. I want you to just post something about this product I'm selling on your on your on your feed." And yeah. you know, there's there's, I think, you know, yes, there's excitement about products and services, um, but there's also a way you approach somebody. You know, if I came on the show, Michael, and I was like, hey, Michael, so happy to be here. Boom, here, I want to tell you all about, like, this new gadget I'm selling. It's going to help, whatever, like, help you express yourself verbally in many different ways. And it's only 1995, and say you heard it here, you'd be like, what are you doing, Jennifer? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just starting. <laughs> I'm just so excited. Um, so I think it's the level of being authentic. Um, yeah. Well, well, sometimes people are authentically excited. You can feel that, like, I'm working on something I'm excited about, and that's why I'm jumping right into it. And then that is not so bad because you're like, okay, this is, this is probably what you're thinking about day and night. But the people who are, you know, like, I'm so excited about this new, um, you know, upholstery cleaner. Like, you are not that excited. You, nobody's that excited about upholstery cleaner. Yes. It does not happen. You're excited about getting my money. And that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's clearly what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're, you're spot on. And, and it's funny, actually, as you mentioned, the, the Hey Girl messages. Um, in my book, I talk about the fact that, that most, you know, most women have experienced this, most men have not, you know, being at a party and encountering that person who wants only one thing. Um, yeah. But if you're, if you ever been to a networking event, then you've, ex you've encountered a similar experience of the salesperson who wants only one thing, which is, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I think the phrase I use is they don't want to put their, put their hand on your thigh. They want to put their hand on your wallet. Um, okay. <laughs> but it's the same <laughs> level of discomfort of being it, it almost, you know, the, this sense of being seen as a target. Yeah. Like bulldozed a little like bulldozed. Yeah. And, and I think it's also knowing where you are um, in terms of, what your needs are. Like if you are genuinely interested in what they're telling you, then, you know, there could be opportunity, but I, th I don't think it has, you don't have to quote unquote close the deal. 
um, right then and there. Like, give it time to breathe. Give it time for that space and that shared like to grow. Let me ask you this question. You said you you said men don't get these hey girl messages. What kind of messages do you get? Um, well, I, I get the message of people trying to sell me stuff. Okay, but how um, do they do it? Do they do they yeah, not yeah. do hey do they do hey guy? What do they do? Um, that's a different ways they introduce it. Um, okay. sometimes it's, it's here. Well, so, so I'm in the coaching space. Um, so they, they assume I want to be a seven figure coach. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and so, so it'll sometimes be like, Hey, here's something that you might be really excited about. And of course I'm not excited because I've heard that, that pitch nine times from right. nine other snake oil salespeople. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, um, now the, the better ones say, you know, I have something I'd be interested. I'd love to have a conversation with you and mm-hmm. I will have a conversation with anyone. I'll put mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. We'll put that out here on my, my public podcast. Um, you know, if you want to try to sell me something, I'll talk to you for half an hour, whatever you're trying to sell me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't mean I want to buy, but right. we may talk and, and we may discover that it's not a fit for me to buy it, but maybe you could be a Conference 21 speaker. Maybe mm-hmm. I can teach you how to sell it better. Maybe, um, you know, people I want to meet or I can introduce you to people or, you know, the, the, any conversation can have value if someone's willing to have an open conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's when they send me this canned message, and some of these messages I, I figure are probably sent by computer because mm-hmm. they're so so artificial. Yes, um, that and they're they're so generic. Be like, many people are very excited by this thing that we're doing. I think you'll be excited too. Click here to learn more. Click here. <laughs> aren't we in a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I clicking somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I, yes. Okay, cool. They, well, thank you. I was like, I, I always wonder, like, I, whenever I get those kind of messages, I'm like, does this approach really work? Well, that, that's why they automate. You send out a thousand and two of them will respond. Um, yeah. I mean, same way, and, and some people who, who uh, follow me on, on Facebook will know this, that, that uh, apparently my face is, is popular for um, spammers to, yeah. yep, to steal my pictures and, um, oh, no. and do uh, mostly romance scams, I think is the main thing they do. Okay. And, and it, it, is very, it is very unfortunate because they go after um, often people who are, who are cognitively impaired, um, yeah. you know, I, either emotionally impaired, you know, very lonely and desperate and willing to accept, uh, willing to overlook a lot of red flags, or they have cognitive deficiencies and they just don't know. Um, you know, someone sent me a picture of a fake license with my, my photo on it. And it said the date of birth was 1945. Um, and I don't think most people are going to look at my, my face and say that is yeah, 75 years old looks right. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, she, but she's sending me this. So, and then of course they'll, they'll finally do a reverse image search and find me, which is how mm-hmm. I often hear about them. And I will argue, they'll, they'll be like, no, no, I know who you are. I found you, Christopher. I'm like, I'm, I'm not Christopher. I'm like, yeah, sure. You're not. I got you. I'm like, oh you, you didn't get anything. Yeah. We got you. But they're, they're sending me these pictures and be like, I bet you this picture wasn't from social media. And I'll show them on my Facebook where I've got that picture. Um, but so they'll send me all the, the quote unquote evidence that that's real. Yeah. Um, Scary. And, and so, you know, so I'll get people who are, who are, are claiming that, but, but I, I, I think it's, it, you know, people aren't really savvy about what they're, you know, what they're seeing. And so I also, I also often get a lot of messages from, from smart people um, mm-hmm. as in they can determine a fake who said, Hey, a fake person's using your picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and right at the back, I mean, you know, most of these, these, they're all, you know, oil, oil rig worker, recently widowed. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh. It, it's so obvious that they're yeah. fake, but, but, you know, if one out of a hundred falls for it and sends them a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and you can, you can almost automate it or how long does it take to, to set up a fake account and message, message someone 30 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. you do that full time. One out of a hundred sends you a thousand bucks. You're making a thousand bucks a week. Yeah. And if you live in Nigeria, where the cost of living is eight thousand dollars a year, then you can make a pretty good living pretending to be Michael Whitehouse. <laughs> I remember seeing that on Facebook too. So he's romance. <laughs> you can be yep. on a romance novel cover. You could be like, "Wow, yeah. looks just like yeah, me." Apparently. You could be like, yeah. "I am this guy. I am this guy, and I'm not scamming you. You scam me." <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the irony is that, that there's people out there who make more money with my face than I do. <laughs> um, of course, in order to make that money, I have to be willing to like approach vulnerable people and ask them for money, which yeah, I, I'm yeah. not comfortable with. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, there, there are people who 
you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, though, because sometimes you think, well, I, I don't have the resources to, to make money or be successful and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that there's people who pretend to look like me, who do not write or speak as well as me, and have the, the, the other deficiency of not being me, who are making more money. So I don't really have an excuse for why I can't be more successful. Because people pretending to be me can do it. So obviously I, <laughs> I should original. be able to. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think you're right. It does come down to mindset and what limitations are you holding on yourself? And something that I started doing, like I love, I, for the last couple of years, I've been doing a word or phrase that becomes kind of like my, my filter for every action thought um, or whatever I'm going to do. Um, or experience or pursuit or whatever. And does that align with what this word is? So like this year for 2021, mine is about bold expression. And whenever I have those moments of, you know, hesitance, like hesitation or, or, or self-doubt or whatever, I'm telling myself, get it, just do it, get it, get it. And I told like some people around me, like when in doubt, if I'm like, you know, wishy-washy about something, I just need you to tell me, get it. And that's what I, that's what I've been doing. Whenever I have that moment of like, you know, not like networking or, or reaching out to somebody and maybe I'm doing a cold call, you know, to kind of boost, boost myself up and just say, get it done, get it done, get it. Like achieve it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, really well, excited I, I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say I'm looking forward to having you at the conference, mm-hmm. um, and 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 uh, and I think it'd be very exciting to have kind of have that conversation and and see that talk about those networking strategies from a different angle because um, it's always good to learn the same thing different ways and people think different ways and so I think that's going to be a really powerful uh, tool there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so people can find you at is it radiantjourneyllc.com? Is that the right place? You are right. Yeah. Looking forward to connecting right. with people there. And I also offer like a a newsletter, a twice a week newsletter. So come to radiantjourneyllc.com. Make sure you sign up uh, for my free newsletter. And you get to Very be nice. part of the Radiant Journey community a little more, learn a little bit more about what it's like to hold space for yourself, what it's like to, to be human at this time. And, and nurture your experience. That's good stuff. Well, Thanks, well thank you very much, uh, Jennifer, for being on the show. And uh, look forward to seeing you in, in February. And I'm sure probably some of the networking events as well. Absolutely, Michael. Thank you so much for welcoming me here today. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye now. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Segment introductions by Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel and Summer Ambient Piano by Raphael Crook of filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash the guy who knows a guy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast as a whole, we welcome you to share our links with them. Thanks. I'll see you next week. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV connect.com December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.